This episode and every episode is brought to you by Progress, the makers of Telerik.net and Kendo UI JavaScript components and controls, helping you easily build modern, high-performant web, mobile, desktop apps, and even chatbots. If you enjoy the show, please check us out at Telerik.com and see what we have to offer. Hello and welcome to Eat Sleep Code, the official Telerik podcast. I'm your host, Ed Charbonneau, and with me today is John Alexander. How you doing, John? I'm wonderful, Ed. How are you? I'm doing excellent, and we're going to talk about some .NET ML today. And before we get started, let's hear a little bit about you, John. Uh, where are you working to these days, and, and what type of stuff are you working on? Uh, actually, I'm working as a senior content developer at Microsoft. And so our team is responsible for doing uh, documentation at docs.microsoft.com. Uh, my main area of focus, areas of focus at the moment are um, .NET Core, uh, Docker and .NET Core, so containerization, and then also the new ML.NET framework for machine learning. So my role there is to um, talk to customers and uh, write articles tutorials, how-tos, overviews, things like that, and then also do um, co corresponding code samples that goes with that. And so I really have a passion for trying to make sure that those documents, those articles, if you will, are um, as real-world and relevant as possible. Yeah, it sounds like quite an interesting set of tools that you're working with. You've got some Docker in there and then machine learning. Those are all like really hot topics right now. And I, I know in the past as well, you've worked on some HoloLens too. Yeah. So you're, that, you're all over the latest and greatest stuff. Yeah, that's actually uh, usually in the evenings is the uh, virtual reality, mixed reality stuff um, playing with, with Unity and things like that. So, you know, technology is a drug and I'm hopelessly addicted, you know. <laughs> Yeah, these are some of the things that I love talking about, uh, machine learning being one of them, uh, HoloLens and mixed reality being another, because mm -hmm. uh, I see a big future for it when these things uh, start combining together and creating all new experiences that we've never thought of before. Uh, I think we're going to really see like the next mobile type of thing happen. Mm-hmm. It's like the next gen of computing is coming our way. Right. These are these are the things to learn now, so you don't get left behind. Right, and we're always we always have to be continuously learning, so that exactly so that we're not left behind. And it's it's if you're if you're not wanting to be a continuous learner, this is probably not the right um, discipline for you. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, if you're if everything's cool, not to not to insult anybody out there at all. Um, but, you know, if you really want to stay at the at the top of the wave or at the top of the curve, you're you're always uh, learning about something. You know, there's one COBOL developer making four hundred dollars an hour right now laughing at you, John. Well, I, in a previous life, I did <laughs> COBOL as well. And, and so I'm sure that that developer is still looking at, at ways to improve, you know, those perform varying statements or are constantly trying to improve to show continuously show value <laughs> and also probably combing through the, the code to, to extract the business logic or whatever. So it doesn't really matter what language it is or what system that you're working on. You're it, what I meant by that was that you're constantly trying to improve and stay, you know, stay focused on the, on, on doing the very best that you can and, and, and staying relevant, whatever, whatever that, whatever that might be. Right. 
<laughs> Absolutely. You got me on that one. <laughs> <laughs> that was a that was a good cover, right? <laughs> nice uh nice comeback. There you you go. got me. Uh, um so I, I le- enjoy talking about machine learning because uh, it's just absolutely fascinating for one, and it's got a lot of potential. I think we're just barely touching, you know, the tip of the iceberg on this one, um, and we're seeing a lot of different ways to implement machine learning uh, in the industry. We've got Azure machine learning and TensorFlow, and now we've got something called ML.NET. So what's kind of the elevator pitch there? What What is ML.NET? So ML.NET is an open source framework that you can use to infuse machine learning um, functions into your applications. It's based on um, a, a machine learning framework that Microsoft has used internally for, for years for Bing and, and Office and some of the machine learning things that you have there. And so they've they've started pulling out parts of it to, to utilize it within the .NET framework. And um, it allows you to have a, uh, a local framework for doing all sorts of different machine learning um, tasks that you, might, that you might need to operationalize data with. So with ML.NET, are we responsible for writing the actual machine learning algorithms, or do we have canned algorithms that we can pick and choose from and train models or how does this work oh yeah you can absolutely extend it but there are uh many 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 learners out of the gate you know for whether you want to classify something or maybe do some sentiment analysis you can use a a binary classifier a learner that's already that's already created for you and and you can use it within your code you can do uh regression um, maybe you want to find or predict the price of a of a taxi cab. Um, you can use regression for that. There's all sorts of different um, learners that you have available to you, depending on what um, question you're trying to answer and and what your data looks like, what you're really trying to pull back there from clustering. And uh, now we have uh, with the current release that just came out, which is the point five release. Uh, uh, beginning support for bringing in TensorFlow models to utilize um, inside inside your application. So you can pre-train a TensorFlow model and then um, uh, freeze that and then save it off and then use that with the uh, TensorFlow transform and uh, inside of um, your .NET application. So I want to I want to make sure for the listeners I got this right because mm-hmm. um, I, I asked you know are we developing the algorithms in ML.NET or are we you know using predefined training algorithms to to do the training It sounds like it's it's kind of extensible where we can do both. Uh, we may plug in something from TensorFlow or another machine learning uh, type of system into ml.net and it's extensible in probably many ways right you can basically right now it has um loaders that you can use to load um you know like csv files of data in and then you can pre-process that data right from um the uh, um the classes that you have available to you and then walking through that that pipeline you can then do some feature engineering on that train that then train that model with one of those built-in trainers and then um, evaluate and see uh, based on what uh, type of learner you're using 
how well that's that's matching up with uh, the metrics that you might have available to you, maybe you know like accuracy or or um, F1 score or one of the other metrics to see to see how well you're doing on your model, and then beyond that, you can uh, then use that model to predict whatever question you're trying to answer to or to score that, if you will, to see uh, uh, to to use that actually in your in your application. So you can bring in a preloaded model. You can also export it to Onyx, which is a a new um, cross uh, cross platform, if you will, or cross uh, cross solution format that uh, is uh, being sponsored by Microsoft, uh, Facebook, and a, it's a consortium, so that you can interop you can uh, share models back and forth. So you could you could translate a TensorFlow into an Onyx model, and then then pull that in and, and use that as well. And that's actually um, being worked on in ML.net, um, being able to pull that Onyx model in, in in one of the next point releases. And the, the nice thing about that is that there are several tutorials out on um, docs.microsoft.com right now to get started. And then inside of the repo itself, there are other samples that you can, that you can look at and play with. And... If you decide that you find uh, you find something you're you're inquisitive about, or you want to use it in a certain way, or you want to you find an issue, just like with any other open source um, project, you can file a file an issue or file a PR and ch- and uh, submit something to the team. Um, and it's being made right now uh, on our way to the 1.0 release. But um, with every uh, Every new point release, it's, it's like, almost like Christmas morning. There's something new added. Yeah, and I, I have to commend Microsoft and the other folks that are in on that consortium on Onyx. Uh, this is something that's extremely helpful to um, the consumer, uh, us developers, is having a single file format uh, for machine learning. Uh, in a way to to communicate these models from one type of system to another and be able to share those, uh, that's that's something that can really hinder a technology if you don't have a common communication ground like that. Absolutely, absolutely. And and one of the nice things about ML.net it's for building your own ML models. Um, the learners are there, the transforms are there, and then you can use your own data, and. Uh, you can prepare and train models on that and then pick the models that perform best based on your evaluations and then operationalize those right from within inside of um, your C-sharp or F-sharp um, code. Yeah, yeah, that was going to be my next question. As the name implies, ML.net, mm-hmm. uh, if you're interacting with these you know, models and in, in data, you're doing so through .NET languages, like you said, C-sharp and F-sharp. Uh, does is there additional support for other languages too, like VB? Is there some form of Python that you know people are used to writing machine learning with Python and things like that? Um, well, Python and R are great for ML and data science, and and no one would ever dispute that. But ML.NET is another way to to do that with familiar tools for a .NET developer. Okay, I see. because .NET currently lacks machine learning libraries and ML essentials, and so if you're a .NET developer and you want to stay in the .NET stack, ML.NET will allow you to do that. Excellent. 
Yeah, it's um do, do you see people picking up the ML.net stack from the C sharp perspective or a lot of F sharp developers? Or is it kind of a, a mixed bag, half and half? Do you um, have any experience with that? Actually, uh, that's a great question that I can follow up with you on. I can ask the product team what their stats are. I don't actually know the answer to that. I do know that currently right now we have um, samples for both C sharp and F sharp. So yeah, you so can there, start playing around with that right now there's actually no no agenda set for that question i was just kind of curious myself oh yeah if there's like a certain mindset that aligns more with dot or sorry um machine learning with f sharp than c sharp or vice versa it's just kind of a you know wild curiosity of mine like which group aligns more with ml if one does more than another yeah i i don't i think it would probably be more of a of a preference you know one is is more functional than the other but um, yeah, I, I don't know that. It's, it is an interesting question. So um, I wish I I wish I knew the answer to that. But either way, um, it allows you to bring in machine learning functionality and, and operationalize your uh, your models if you need to uh, within the .NET stack. So if we're working with .NET tools, does it mean we have to have Visual Studio, or do we, can we use things like Visual Studio Code and be on a say a Linux machine? Uh yeah, you can use Visual Studio Code on that. Um definitely. Um most of the most of the existing tutorials are in Visual Studio itself. Um but you can definitely create a con like for example a console app or something like that and run that uh run that within uh or create that within uh Visual Studio Code if you would if you'd want to, absolutely. Very cool. Uh, so what other type of tools and, and things come in this uh, ML.NET ecosystem? Uh, what are some things that might be helpful to people getting started? Well, there's a, a couple of things. One is which, one is an introduction to machine learning, and it's a, a series of videos that are it's in the uh, resources uh, to kind of give them a, a background, if you will, and try to start thinking about uh, what question am I trying to trying to ask, what question am I asking? What does my data, what does my data give me for that? And then, um, you know, there's a glossary in it. There are, um, it's kind of a guided tour of some of the learners and transforms that are there, as well as uh, several tutorials on the uh, documentation side. Yeah, because this isn't, uh, you know, your typical dev pipeline this isn't you know if then statements in traditional imperative or declarative programming uh machine learning is quite a different ball of wax is it not yeah and and it but it still follows the pipeline paradigm because you want to be able to make sure and keep everything in context so whether or not you're running this on um windows or linux or or mac um you know you can basically well not basically but you can uh, tune your machine learning models or create them right from within uh, C sharp or F sharp. So, what would like the basic getting started experience be with ML.NET? Do we um, do we have to go out and download the SDKs? Um, is there like a single package that we load in to to get going? Oh, that's a great question. Um, really, it's. Um, a few, basically one major NuGet package, and if you're wanting to use like TensorFlow or something like that, there are a couple of other NuGet packages that you can utilize. But that's it. It's just a it's just a NuGet package, and and um, 
you can go to town. It makes the uh, it makes the tutorials really really easy to use. It makes the um, some of the the bigger examples over on the repo very easy to follow along. And there are you also unit tests for pretty much everything in there that you if you're if you're um, if you're a developer and you use unit tests all the time, you can also follow the functionality through that. But everything's really out there, so. So this is something we add to say an existing .NET project, whether that's you know a console application, a desktop or web app or something of those sorts. Um, is there like a file new ML .NET template, or is it just something that you use within your applications? Right now, there um, since it's a since it's still in development and we're still in you know point releases and not to 1.0 yet, um, there aren't any templates yet. But using um, several people of you have uh, have taken the tutorial steps and then used that to to build applications as well. So it 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 walks you through pretty pretty handily on how to get started with that. And are there any specific examples of what those getting started projects are? Do we you know, sure? For example, you gave. Uh, something about taxi cabs. Is there something like that in there? Yeah, actually, the, there are um, three tutorials at the moment on docs.microsoft.com in the uh, ML.net guide. There is a um, an Iris um, classifier tutorial. There is a sentiment analysis tutorial that goes out. There's actually two versions of that. There's one on the repo that goes out and looks at Yelp reviews, and then determines whether those reviews coming in are positive or negative. And the one in, in Docs uses something called the Wiki Detox, which is a um, project, which are comments coming from uh, Wikipedia. And they've used to kind of, you know, kind of analyze social media. So you can use, use either one of those with binary, with the uh, fast tree binary classification um, to determine uh, sentiment on that, whether it's positive or negative, and then you could do something with that. You know, maybe if you determined it was negative, maybe send it to a, a human for customer service or, or something like that, you know, um, or send a coupon because, you know, it was positive or, you know, operationalize that in some way. Then the other one, yeah, uh, that I talked about that's a tutorial then is a using regression to determine um, what taxi fares are going to be within uh, New York City based on previous uh, uh, previous prices. So walks you through that from stem to stern. And then um, on the repo side, there is there's a classic um, there's a classic tutorial that a lot of people go through on, on the machine learning side and uh, it's through a competition called Kaggle and the Titanic Survivor um, you know, tutorial is something classic. And so there's a version of that on, um, on the repo. There are several different, uh, several different examples there. Well, there's also a, a kind of a cool, um, GitHub labeling application for your, uh, for your repo. So you can take, you know, say for example, you have tons of different labels in your, in your repo and you've got some issues that have come in and you want to predict what, uh, those labels are going to be. You can use that. You can use that uh, example to to try that out. 
So there's all so there's several different examples right now, and as we're going along and as we get closer to like ignite things like that, there's going to be there's going to be more examples pop up out there. Yeah, uh, these things are really fun to grab and play with, like in your spare time, mm-hmm. or if you can you can con your boss into giving you some time, <laughs> right? To, like let you play with it at work. You know, tell them it's going to be for a future project or something, and uh, maybe do a, a learning Friday like type of thing. I used to love trying to get away with those. Right. Like let us, well, let us order some pizza and have a little mini hackathon for two hours in the afternoon around lunchtime and see if you can get work to like sponsor some of these activities. Right. Oh yeah. And they might say, well, you can learn, but no pizza or you'll have to pay for the pizza on your own. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then you get some friends to chip in and that's right. And it's, if you got a good boss, he'll, he'll chip in himself and, and make it worth your while. Absolutely. Most, most bosses are pretty cool about that stuff. And then that just builds that, you know, that camaraderie that, that you want to have with all the members of the team and, and, and everybody's learning and, and it's pretty fun. There's also, um, it's split up into um, end-to-end apps. And that's when I talked about the GitHub labeler. And then there's also one that um, is is an extension from a from a sample that's been used by, um, in some of our eBooks called eShop. And uh, this one is for uh, machine learning and it allows you to go out and do sales, uh, sales uh, predictions based on some different products. And so it, it shows you how to not only to try it out, but set it up and train your models and then walk through it, the code step by step. So there's a lot of, uh, even though we're very, very, you know, we're only about halfway through the first release, there's a lot out there that people can use to get started on. And folks that might be new to machine learning, there's, there's going to be some learning curve. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's new terminology and glossary definition, definitions to learn. Um, but even the way machine learning operates is a little bit different from what developers that are used to, like I said, black and white type of terminology, like true false uh, type of statements might at first get a little hung up on. And, and I'll, I'll give a good example, John, you, you talked about the sentiment analysis, mm-hmm. uh, demo that you guys have in the docs. And I've, I've actually done, uh, not an ML.net, but Azure ML, I've done that one. And, uh, one thing I, I got hung up on, even knowing this going in, I still got hung up on it is the output you get, uh, from that sentiment analysis is on a scale of, uh, 0.1 to, uh, 0.99. And that's actually, uh, the probability that mm-hmm. it's a, positive sentiment or a negative sentiment, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, anything that's below half, say 0.5 is going to be uh, on the negative side. Anything above it is on the positive side. Uh, at first glance, you might think, um, you know, this is, if it's a, say 0.7, that's 70% positive, but it's not. Mm-hmm. So it's, it is a uh, probability that it's positive, so the closer you get to the top of that, you know, 99%, the closer you are to it being uh, the, the machine learning algorithm is sure that it's a positive. Uh, and then the closer you get to the bottom of that scale, it's, it's more uh, sure that it's negative. But it's not like a scale of it's, you know, this positive or this negative. If you follow my, my logic there, it's not like in the middle, it's kind of, it's neither 
positive or negative sentiment. It's actually that the algorithm can't tell whether it's one or the other. Right. Right. And, and so the thing that, the thing that trips people up and, and tripped me up a little bit when I first started was that it's really all about the data and figuring out, okay, what are, what question, excuse me, what question are you trying to answer? And what kind of solution are you requiring? You know, are you going to try to make the best use of historical data with inputs and outputs to try to predict what that next output is? And, you know, is it, is it something else where you're, you're basically going through, um, you know, what is the, what is this relationship? We don't have that, but we want to figure out something. We want to, we want to create a model that creates a, an approximation of that underlying relationship. And so we can say, okay, how do we do that? That's not, you know, that's not an if then statement. You know, that's, that's really data specific and looking for patterns. It's looking, you know, for those different things so that you can try to, as you say, get your probability that this is correct as high as, as high as you can. Right. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, when you're talking about something like deep learning, you know, and you have, you, you're looking for, for example, you're trying, you're, you're trying to create a model that can, um, that can, uh, learn how to identify digits. And it really comes down to then, looking and identifying inside of any particular space for that for that image what those what what parts are weighted more so it looks for those particular things and starts to use that as kind of a touchstone if you will right but it comes back to thinking about what question are we going to answer and does our does our data really support that or what do we need to do to that data to make sure that that that's the case now i've found that machine learning is is um kind of a process that starts with, you know, refining your data mm-hmm. and then, you know, training your model and then validating that training to see how well your model's doing and then kind of refining that uh, and iterating over that same loop over and over again until you hit that, um, you know, desired accuracy rate. Right. So is there something in ML.net that helps with that process of iterating or is it, kind of up to the developer to do that? Uh, is, is that part of a tool chain or just the normal process? Well, with the, the evaluators, um, they give you back a lot of great metric data that you can use. And then, you know, you save off that, that model, that output and make, you know, tweaks to different things. Maybe you're going to improve the model by using a larger data set or, um, you know, a different, maybe tweaking it, maybe with a different learner or different, uh, transforming the datas or or something like that, you know, changing that pipeline out and keeping uh, trying to tweak and see exactly what's going on and making sure that the data supports what you're trying to answer. Um, you might need to combine some some columns or, you know, depending on if you're doing natural language processing, uh, you know, uh, split things out a little bit more, whatever you're trying to do. But yeah, you're exactly right. It starts with that data analysis. And then, you know, you're just trying to clean it and improve it and and go back. And, and it's a, sometimes it's a, I don't want to say it's a thankless task, but it, it takes a, it takes quite a while, right? And 
it's probably like a, I can't remember the painter that said it, that great art is just abandoned. Maybe that's kind of the same way with models after a certain while, right? You just, here's, here's as close as we're going to get for right now. Yeah, that's, that's one thing I've always tried to communicate to developers is what you just said. As close as we're going to get for right now, it's more of a gray area, right? You're not mm-hmm. aiming for 100%. Right. So if you have a model that's got an accuracy of, say, 70%, depending on what your, your situation for that model is and what it's trying to solve, 70% might be good enough. Right. You know, if you're trying to make a life or, life or death, death decision on that 70%, maybe it's not the best. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not. But then you're you're looking to say, okay, does the data support this, and how do we go out and you know get more accurate data? Is it changing some of the some of the uh, the inputs that we have? You know, do we need to do we need to change that out? Do we need to change the sampling or however we're you know going out and getting that uh, so that we get data that's more closely aligned to what we're actually trying to answer. Yeah, that's. I think that's where the analytical tools you're talking about really come into play. Uh, those things help uh, help you find like outliers in your data, and sometimes you can figure out how those things are affecting your model. Uh, for example, if you have uh, maybe there's some data that's in there that doesn't really correlate to something important in that model. So you have a date stamp or something that's arbitrary to what you're trying to solve, and that model might be making decisions on that date stamp rather than something that actually matters, like say somebody's credit score. Right. Yeah. Are you looking? Are you evaluating tons and tons and tons of, you know, lung X-rays or? Um, you know, MRIs to try to, to try to predict, uh, as early as you can for, uh, pre-cancer or cancerous type conditions or something like that, that takes on a whole different, uh, you know, important level of importance, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So it's, it's really interesting to see these type of tools enter the .NET space and, and provide us with, uh, an API and a framework to kind of, to tackle those situations within tools we're familiar with. Mm -hmm. So it's really very interesting stuff to me. It hits very close to home with me because I'm primarily a .NET developer uh, and I've tried uh, some different ML libraries and and tooling. Uh, And Microsoft's really got some cool stuff out there, especially with Azure ML. So it's, it's nice to see it enter the .NET space as well to give us more toys to play with. Right. Yeah, I think it's a it's an exciting time. Um, I know that um, you know the ML slash AI slash data science is is evolving, you know, very rapidly, and so it's a it's a cool thing to be able to do and and to be able to give tools to people that don't necessarily want to go out and get a you know a, a huge amount of statistical training or something like that. Uh, they just want to take some take the data understand it or base or maybe you know a their data science team could throw the throw a uh, you know pre-trained model over the wall and they could just start using that yeah and i would assume that you know this isn't um a mutually exclusive thing you could you could i could assume that you could use say azure cognitive services in combination with a custom model and you know have multiple things working in an app together so you can kind of like pick your lego bricks 
you know, have have some pre-trained stuff that's already existing in the cognitive space on Azure to maybe do some image recognition or something, and then further on down the line process, you know, some more data to do something else. Yeah, it's a, it's all about putting some of those things together. Like you could use batch AI, which allows you to create clusters of GPUs for for training that. Maybe you could train a a model using batch AI, pull that down, and then operationalize that. Pull that into, uh, you know, using uh, creating it through TensorFlow or Onyx or something, and and pulling that into your your ML.NET uh, application and keeping right on going. So I mean, you know, right now we've got several different avenues to utilize. We can create custom custom solutions for our models with uh, ML.NET. We can use a lot of prepackaged solutions with. Um, Cognitive services, and then we can we can also then utilize a lot of uh, different pieces and parts with uh, Azure Machine Learning as well. So, so it's a whole spectrum. So I don't, I don't want to get too um, I don't want to put you too far on the spot because I know you said it's it's kind of in early beta and you're kind of halfway through right now. But is this uh, is ML.NET something that's uh, .NET standard? Is it Something that I can use with uh, the .NET framework or .NET Core, or can I put it on, say, an IoT device? What's the story there? Uh, you can use it definitely on on .NET Core. Um, you can use it on certain versions of the .NET framework. Um, at the at the moment, it's a point. Like I said, it's point five release, and. Um, you know, uh, it's evolving and moving forward as we get closer to um, the 1.0, the 1.0 release. So, um, yeah. So if you can run, if you can run, say for example, on Windows 10 with uh, .NET Core or on your Linux uh, IoT, yeah, you could run that on on IoT. Yeah, that's that seems like it'd be uh, a useful scenario. Uh, IoT's definitely got mm-hmm. a a big play with machine learning, I believe. I think that's yep. the future of manufacturing and and a lot of big commercial stuff is uh, letting le- letting the devices do decision making for us on smaller issues, so we can focus on bigger problems. So it'd be really cool to see it in that right. that way. And then aggregating those all those uh, IoT endpoints up with something like a you know Azure IoT Hub. And then using these different things in in concert together. So, so if we're following ML.NET as a developer, where mm-hmm. do we look? Do we look at the blogs, the docs? What's the best place to kind of keep our eye on the development of this? So, there's a couple of different places. There's um, the GitHub repo, which is uh, GitHub, and I'll I'll send you this link. These links, Ed, um, for you know, for the podcast, but there it's a dot net all spelled out D O T N E T slash machine learning is where the actual ML ML.net product repo is. Then you also have the, uh, a repo, uh, dot net again, machine learning dash samples is where are the, where those samples are that, that I talked about. And then finally at docs.microsoft.com under the ML.NET guide, you can see both the uh, resources, the tutorials, and also the API documentation as it stands right now. I, I love that your initial response is GitHub. Like that, that's, uh, that's one thing I like about the, 
the trend that Microsoft's on right now is like everything's out there. Go go look on GitHub, you'll find it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's 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 really cool to to be a part of an organization that's really trying to keep things open and 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 out there so everybody can can take a look and you know ask questions and contribute where it makes sense to and and those sorts of things and you can also you know uh, Docs is also completely open source as well so you can contribute there as Lots well. Lots of great folks on that team is that um, we we had a little conversation pr- prior to uh, kicking off the podcast here. Uh, so I'm frequently in touch with a lot of those folks and you guys got a really uh, great group that you're working with there. Well, yeah, and we've got a really also, we've got a great community uh, that's very passionate and um, really helps us, helps us make sure that those docs are really well. And, and some people will, you know, make it as easy as going in and editing because there was a missing period and wow, they just made an open source contribution. And we've had people that they say, Hey, you know what? I know about a lot about this area. I'm going to go ahead and submit a, 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 an article proposal. Or maybe, hey, I want to add three or four sentences to this. So, th- totally the the spectrum of that, you know, and it you know it just helps make the the docs tighter, better, and stronger, and faster, and yeah, all that good stuff. Yeah, it's been really um, good to watch the the docs improve over the last few years. Uh, it's really picked up some steam, certainly, uh, with with the folks that you have in place now. Um, John, where can we find you online if we have a question? Uh, you can reach me at uh, on Twitter. I'm at John J O H N Alexander. Uh, there, I'm also uh, Joe J O H Alex at Microsoft.com. And uh, are you doing any speaking uh, coming up? I think I I know we've met at several conferences, so I would assume. Yeah, I'm going to be doing um, in two weeks. I'm going to be at uh, NDC Sydney. Uh, down under and I'm going to be speaking on uh, ml.net there. And then uh, the DevOps conference in St. Louis, Missouri, I'm going to be also doing an intro to dot uh, ml.net there as well. Awesome. I'll, uh, we'll have to grab uh, some drinks there in uh, St. Louis. I'll be there as well. Uh, so awesome. folks, if you're listening, you can catch up with John in, in Australia, if you're in those parts for NDC Sydney and then St. Louis. Uh, stop by if you're at the DevUp conference. Uh, say hi to either me or John there. Uh, Absolutely. We'd love to love to talk to you about what you've got going on, what you're passionate about. I always love to talk to the community and, and uh, it's it's always a lot of fun. That's a I, I love the con- I love going out to conferences and talking with, with everybody out there. It's a, it's always a good good set of discussions and I learn as much as I as I present on, you know? Yeah. Same here. And, and just like you, I enjoyed the bleeding edge stuff. Uh, so I'll be talking about uh, blazer, a new .NET framework. Oh, cool. That runs on WebAssembly, mm-hmm. And uh, I'll also be doing some functional JavaScript. So kind of, ah, so uh, with that said, you can say, you know, the WebAssembly stuff is coming, but judging by my other talk, JavaScript's not dead yet. <laughs> oh, no. And it won't be for quite some time. Right. Well, hey, Ed, thank you very much for uh, having me on on the podcast. I've really enjoyed it, as as I do with all all the podcasts that you do, you know, all, this, all, the, uh, all the episodes. Yeah. It's really good thanks stuff. For, and thanks to you as well for giving me some of your time today. I really appreciate having you on the show. 
uh, so we could chat about ML.net. It sounds like a really uh, cool tech that I need to check out. Uh, being, like I said, primarily a .NET dev, it seems to fit my wheelhouse really well. So I'm looking forward to that that 1.0 release to see uh, what uh, what comes with the full, you know, 1.0 bang out of the box. What do we get with that? So I'll definitely be watching as it grows. Yeah. Yeah, and there are also going to be uh, several, uh, at least two sessions around ML.net if anybody's attending uh, Microsoft Ignite in a couple of weeks as well. Oh, awesome. So. Yeah, I definitely know some folks that'll be down there, so we'll have to have them check it out. So thanks again, John. I appreciate your time, buddy. Yep. Thank you. All right. Talk to you later, Ed. Thanks again for listening to Eat Sleep Code. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a like or a share from iTunes or SoundCloud and visit us at Telerik.com.